Welcome to Roll with Advantage. In D&D, when you roll with advantage, you get to roll two dice instead of one. So this week, you get two episodes instead of one. Enjoy! Content may not be appropriate for all listeners. Listener's discretion is advised. listeners to WTF Are You Talking About, the podcast where we don't know what we're talking about until you do. I'm Katie. And I'm Decker. And we're here to ask each other, what the fuck are you talking about? So, brief rundown of how this is going to work. We have six categories of topics, and the next episode's contents will be determined by the role of a die. Cut them all on one hand. Six. What? What's wrong with your hand? Six-fingered man. I killed your father. (laughs) (laughs) What? I don't know. Keep going. My father did not have six fingers. <gasps> I almost had six hands, and I was like, well, he didn't have those either. He also was like horse. freaking like Shiva. <laughs> she, I think she has eight arms. When so. I said six hands, uh, my brother. Oh, was could just you like, imagine that? Instead of having like eight arms, it's just eight hands. I was going to say that doesn't say that you have like arms for these hands. You just have six hands. So, like, Ew. are they all attached to the same wrist? <laughs> You're just like a sad, like, a millipede human. Or is it oh, like those, like, oh. clapping stick things where it has the multiple like, the hands so you just have like three hands in a row and like i don't yeah. know like that you got for, like Chuck E. cheese but when you said six hands i was i was thinking a horse and i was like that's not a very large horse oh yeah 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 okay gotcha, gotcha. <laughs> yeah yeah i was like six hands i imagine a horse with hands for feet <laughs> but six of them yeah I was so like... does it have six on each or does it have four and then just like two extra <laughs> I'm like, two of them are like splayed out to the sides. And the other one's like that. Can you imagine what ducks would look like if they had human feet? Oh, you. Oh, someone. Or if they you had know hands. someone. Photoshop that. Oh, I'm sure that. they have. Or if they had hands for feet. Oh, there's a, a subreddit uh, called Birds with Arms. Where some people Photoshop arms onto birds. And it's fucking hilarious. Because especially they'll use like super buff arms on like, yeah. a sparrow. <laughs> like. It's funny. Anyways, so the categories are Uh, (laughs) true crime, paranormal, history and education, science, technology, entertainment, and current events. So we'll use an eight-sided die. So if you roll a one, then you're going to roll a six-sided die for those same six categories, except the topic has to be local. And then if you, oh, let me back up. So if you get a local roll, then that's Idaho or any state bordering Idaho. And if you roll an eight, then you get to pick your category. So it's just a wild. Woo! Well, let's get started. Decker, what the fuck are you talking about? Mm. So, <laughs> mm. yeah, I got true crime last time. So, I, I'm always afraid. I'm, I'm, like, continually afraid now that I'm going to, like, pick a category and it be the wrong one. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, like I'm going to be like, dude, I totally know I had entertainment. You're going to be like, you had history. No, that is a fear Ooh. I have every week that I'm going to show up and be like, yeah, I prepared this. And you're like, like that is like, not I just, what like, you're I just to need to have like one for each of like my back pocket <laughs> in case like, like what I can just easily pull up. Well, that is that Every case. week I'm going to do research for six different things. So about the history of underwear one day. Um, <laughs> that, that's the day like where like we're sponsored by like me undies. The history of underwear. <laughs> um, I mean, depending on what we roll, maybe it's next week. Ooh, you, um, but so I got true crime and I was thinking as like, I had several conversations and I, 
Uh, first off, I realized I forgot to do uh, a cult that I was going to do. Mm-hmm. Which, I, like, I realized it today, and I was like, fuck! I'm like, I, I was going to do this! <laughs> well, because remember I told you about that, that Kitsune cult? And, like, when there yeah. was, like, the symbols and stuff, I was like, shit, I could have done that! I'm like, damn it! So, I'm not doing that one. That today. one is a super cool story, because I'm, I'm familiar with that one, and it's, it's bananas. <sighs> oh. Um, but I'm... B-A-N-A-N-A-S. I'm going to give you some hints, and I want you to guess what I'm talking about today. So, um, this one has to do with, um, technically what's called a killing spree. Okay. Um, if, uh, for those of you that don't know what killing spree is, there's a difference between killing spree, mass murder, and serial killer. Mass murder is normally where there's a lot of deaths in one specific venue at one event, right? A uh, serial killer is typically someone that has a cooling down period, and they kill over a long duration of time at multiple different venues. Spree killers are extra dangerous. Spree killers are normally multiple venues, like, back to back. They're just, like, going and going. Think about, like, if there was someone that, like, did a drive-by and just, like, drove through, like, the town and just started gunning people down. Mm-hmm. That'd be a spree killing, because even though it happened in one day, it's happening across multiple different, like, addresses mm-hmm. kind of thing. Right? So, um... With that being said, this is uh, this is a sh- it is a shooting, okay? Right, because I did bring that up, okay? Um, it has to do. So is it a spree? It shooting? is a spree. It is okay. a uh, spree killing. Spree, okay. Spree killing. Okay, it's a shooting. Um, it's not a recent one. It has. It does involve a car. And um, does it involve famous people? Famous people? Like, what do you mean? Like musicians? No. Okay. But now I'm curious. <laughs> I will not look into that one. Um, no, but... Oh, oh, are you thinking, like, rappers? Yeah. It's like, okay. is this Tupac? Is this Biggie Smalls? Like... No, 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 no. It's not... It's... No. Um, it, it has to do with... It involves a car. It involves... Um, these killings took place uh, in the early 2000s. From about February to October. So, span of, like, what's that? About eight to nine months? Um. I'll give you a hint. Uh, Is the car a taxi? It's not a taxi. Unless I don't believe it is a taxi. Early 2000s. I can give you a name, though. Okay. It's a Caprice. The car is a Caprice? Mm-hmm. Not a Caprice Sun. <laughs> That's what I was thinking. Uh, it's, it's called a Caprice. Um. The na- there was the name of a movie for it. It was called Blue Caprice. Can I have like a region? Eleven states. The ending of it happened on the East Coast near Virginia. Early 2000. Year was 2002. Like it's ringing bells, but I can't. Two people. Last weekend is, it was one of the most terrifying time periods that we had in our nation where people were afraid to go outside. Uh, was this the uh, DC sniper? Yes. Okay. The Beltway sniper. Got it. Yes, yes, yes. <laughs> now, I'm not actually going to talk about the, um, like, a lot of the killings themselves. I'm uh-huh. actually focusing around a specific person this time. So, I'm focusing on the uh, 17-year-old. Mm-hmm. Who was a part of this, right? So it made me ha- first off, it makes me happy that 
You didn't like catch your mind immediately. I'm just real proud of myself. But, no, no. That yeah. So <laughs> I know um, this. Uh, I don't know if I should be proud of myself for that or not. But. No, I mean, I mean, early 2000s is. I actually. It, the funny thing is, I don't remember. I remember this being mentioned briefly when I was younger, but it wasn't really a big thing for me because when the the these actual shootings started becoming much more frequent. It was after they had gone from the West Coast, from like Washington to California, mm-hmm. and moved their way over to the East Coast. Mm-hmm. So, and because the East Coast, there was like fifteen deaths. Yeah, over there, and so and they were in like rapid succession. Uh huh. Yeah. Well, it's because. So, okay, before I get too far ahead of myself, <laughs> I'm gonna be talking about Lee Boyd Malvo, who otherwise went by John Lee Malvo, and he was a 17 year old who was one of the. Uh, snipers mm-hmm. a part of this so i mean it's called the, uh, the the dc sniper isn't technically true because they again they went through 11 states yeah which is crazy and what it looks like their path was was from the west coast they went down towards i think like the Sun Belt is mm-hmm. what it's called and went down through the south and then they ended up by uh, washington dc and so but see that's uh, when things get important because there's important people that live in dc so now we yeah, can pay attention yeah so um so lee boyd sure. malva was born in jamaica in 1985 okay and he uh his mom had left uh her husband at uh i believe he was five when it happened and her name was una james and she was a single mother she went to go live with her sister uh, and what? So I assume she had custody and took him. I don't know if she actually had custody. But she, she may him? have just fled with him. Okay. Right? Or maybe like the father couldn't get custody because maybe he was shady. I don't know. I don't know anything about the father per se. But the uh, Lee was actually a very bright kid, though. He was very smart. In fact, he in sixth grade he took a test. And did so well that he was actually admitted into York Castle High School. And that's important because this is, this. I did, looked into some of the history of the school. It was originally supposed to be in a university. And it failed, I think, six years after it was first started. And this was like in the late, 18, uh, late 1800s. Mm-hmm. And anyone that goes to school typically becomes fairly powerful and wealthy. Um. Like they become like... Some sort of like leader, or... so kind of the like idea that you think of with like Ivy League co- exactly. colleges. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, and that, that's kind of like his youth before he meets up with the man who kind of turned him into what he was back then. And this is John Allen Muhammad. He's the he is the main um, person t- people typically think about when it comes to the DC sniper, and. He met up with um, Lee's mom, Una James, in 1999, and they ended up growing close, right? So at this point, he's, what, about 14, right? And Una ended up going over to Florida because uh, I don't know what the reasons were per se, but she illegally moved to Florida without, like, any papers, like, with forged documents, and she was waiting for john and lee to come over with them now john ended up holding on to her son for a long amount of time and was actually trying to block communication between uh his mom that's shady 
Well, yeah. I mean, this gets a whole lot of shady. <laughs> I mean, it's real shady, but that's that's shady. Right. So he tried to keep her, uh, him from talking with his mom. Now, uh, I'm just going to call John Allen Muhammad just, um, I'm just going to call him John, just for the rest of this. I'm not going to call him Muhammad, because I don't want there to be like any kind of weird connotations mm-hmm. with that name. Because, let's face it, mm-hmm. uh, that name, normally people are like, oh, the terrorist. It's really unfortunate too that someone's like birth given name can be especially such a common name, right? Especially like because I mean, and John Al Muhammad was uh, is is Islamic. Mm-hmm. <laughs> is 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 short circuit. Well, it's like <laughs> you don't look at everyone who's named like Ted and freak out like, oh, you're cl- clearly a serial. I watched killer. that, by the way. Was it good? <gasps> I did. <gasps> so I'll take that as a yes. It was. Good. It was. What, uh, I don't want to spoil anything because you haven't seen it yet, right? Okay. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, we all know how I was going to say, I don't know that you could really spoil that. Because, right. Like, but I'm... it's more like how it evoked emotion. Was his performance good, though? Because yes. I have high standards for this. Because I thought it was fairly, great. I thought it was fairly good. They even showed at the very end some of, like, the actual footage that happened mm-hmm. and the exact dialogue that Zac Efron did. I personally think, I'm going to give it an 8. I think Zach's performance was fairly well. I think what they decided to show maybe wasn't always super powerful. Mm-hmm. The end was really crazy though, and I liked that a lot from how they displayed it, not the actual events themselves. Just want to be clear about that. I don't think it's awesome that some that he killed what thirty plus women, yeah, easily. But they think that the numbers are higher. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, uh, but yeah, I thought it was good. I thought it was very good. His performance was excellent. I, yeah, I don't want to talk anything more about it. Basically, <laughs> it you know how in the when the trailer first dropped, people thought they were trying to hypersexualize Ted Bundy. Yeah, and, and remember how there's like those Bundy girls where it's like, "Kill me, daddy." Mm-hmm. Like, no, that's, I and that's, that's there's funny. like there's groupies all the time with serial killers and murderers and all of that shit. Like I don't. It really focuses on it focuses and like murder on murderbilia. Like that's a big thing too. Yeah. It focuses on their relationship. Him and I forgot her name. Uh his first wife or Anne Rule. Is Anne the one that he get like supposedly uh asked to marry him I on don't, the stand? Um he no, he uh, he worked with Anne Rule at the suicide hotline. She wrote The Stranger Beside Me. They never covered that. That's unfortunate. I think that would have been really interesting to see. No, they... I don't think it was Anne. I think it may have been his um, first wife. Okay. So I don't remember. And, uh, yeah, remember very interesting name. dialogue. It really focuses on the strain between like how she's coping with everything and then like did he do it didn't he do it and then like, if he did do it i still love him kind of really interesting dynamic there it doesn't actually focus on the killings themselves but the events surrounding the killings mm-hmm. which i thought was a good way to go about it rather than just like going for like gore fest yeah so it kind of not necessarily a thriller i mean kind of but it didn't really make it a thriller i maybe more suspense you're like, okay, what's, even though you know the events, what mm-hmm. actually happens? Okay, but that tangent aside, where was I? Okay, so uh, John was... See, I even almost slipped into it. 
John tried to keep Lee from seeing his mom. And then eventually Lee ends up going stateside, but he and his mom are caught and they are detained. So one thing I actually skipped, sorry, I got ahead of myself again. Lee ended up converting over to Islam through John. Okay. So I believe Lee was baptized in 1999 underneath the Seventh-day Adventist church. Mm-hmm. And then in 2001, he became uh, Islamic. Which, of course, that's an important year because that's when, like, you know, the Twin Towers got yeah. hit and stuff. And I, and I think it's important to bring up not because if you're Islamic, like, you're a terrorist or you have, like, bad beliefs, but this is a time frame also where, like, if there was going to be any profiling and stuff, yeah. that would definitely be something that people looked at because there was a lot of fear around that. It for, was, even was, for a solid decade, like, just straight fear and... I have an uncle who part of his heritage is mm-hmm. Lebanese, and so he is darker complected. And he was pulled out for a quote-unquote random search on his way to be deployed. Wow. He was in his full fatigues on his way to Afghanistan. What branch? Army. Army. Or not Afghanistan. He went to Kuwait. Kuwait. Hmm. So, yeah, there's profiling shitty. Yeah. So, I mean, especially, like, when it comes to, like, ethnicities, because mm-hmm. profiling should be based on shady characters, not, oh, you look like you're from this and region, that's the this thing region's prof- shady. That's one of the things why I think, uh, like, psychological profiling is so interesting, is because it focuses on behaviors, not appearance. Mm-hmm. So, but yeah, so he he was Islamic, and he got detained, but eventually he posted bail in 2000, in January of 2002, for 1500 bucks. I don't know how I came up with that money. All I know is that he ended up getting out. And somehow during that time, John got over to Washington, and he was in a homeless shelter. And Lee ended up meeting up with him there. And this is where, like, a whole, a lot of these events, this happened really fast as a kid. Like, I, and I don't know if there was any kind of, like, like he was trying to raise it or shape him into something back when he was over in Jamaica. Mm-hmm. But if you recall, I said these shootings happened in February. Mm-hmm. And he met up with John in January, which means in one month is when, like, but that's before this whole thing happened. That escalated quickly. Right. And, and, like, when you think of, like, and, and when you think about, like, um, trying to make sure that. Everything's gonna go according to plan because you know, people—they're not doing this to get caught. They're, yeah. I guess what Lee was told by John was that the, the this whole thing was supposed to happen in several phases. Phase one was to create mass panic and eventually kill six white people a day for thirty days. So their goal was to kill at the minimum one hundred and eighty mm-hmm. people in a month. Did they have a specific reason? No, it was just to that's incite just, just... terror. Because, so, th- so that's, this leads into part two. So basically it was to go through here, end up over in D.C., kill 180 people over there, because, like, the government, your government's still not safe. Mm-hmm. Right? Even after we've been attacked, right? And we're, at this point, we're very, um, we're, 
very quick for knee-jerk reactions and stuff. But if yeah. we don't know what where this is coming from, and the goal was to make this completely random, right? So, mm-hmm. like, the car, which is uh, the uh, Caprice, I think I have the picture of it over here somewhere. Oh, that's somewhat different. Um, I had... There we go. So this is the... Can I just open it? Caprice. There we go. This is the uh, car here, right? So oh, okay, yeah. Right. So it's kind of like an like an old what what kind of car would you relate that to be? Like like a station wagon or no, not even station wagon because that's still too big. No, it's not like a hatchback style or a wagon style or anything. Mm-hmm. Um, it makes me think of an an old Oldsmobile. Perfect. Yes, exactly an Oldsmobile. And what they did with these this car is. The back portion where, like, the plate was, they had a hole mm-hmm. there for them to basically put the sniper the rifle through so they could shoot, and then immediately they could get away, mm-hmm. right? Because if you think, um, and this wasn't really a sniper rifle per se, it was a Bushmaster. Well, and I think how Which they, is this gun right here. Gained, it's a carbine, if you will. Yeah. They gained the, the title of sniper based on their method. Right, because it was really like it was very targeted, and mm-hmm. yeah, yeah, and so their their goal was to basically kill six people a day, and then just keep doing that. So that way, it's like just terror, and people like wouldn't leave, and it was like to basically make things like try and shut down because nowhere was safe. You don't know when who's gonna get shot because there wasn't really a profile. It was old and young, and you know, mm-hmm. women and men, and uh, I mean, it was white people, but yeah. I don't think I don't recall there being any one of an other ethnicity. But see, that's the thing. If it had been people of color, they would have caught that right away and been like, "Oh, this is what's blah 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 blah." But if it's white people, they, that doesn't jump to their mind because they're so quick to look for, "Oh, this is why this is happening to these people." Uh huh. Yeah, and they were trying to find like correlations uh, with that, but so. Um, and Muhammad, uh, oh, John, God damn it! I haven't even put Muhammad in my goddamn thing. <laughs> Biases, they suck. Okay, but John, he posed as Lee's father while he was going to school. Like, he had him, like, go to school and stuff to try and, like, put up, like, a, like, I have a normal life. But he didn't make any friends mm-hmm. there for reasons. I'm sure he probably didn't stand out, like, he didn't want to be visible. Mm-hmm. probably so well i mean also if like a hobby is just like shooting people he's probably just a shitty person to be around even if you don't know that's what he's doing right right so um he they shoplifted this bushmaster from what was the bullseye shooter supply so and i bring that up because there was eventually a civil lawsuit against them for like the killings that happened because of this. I'm not sure if it was because it wasn't reported that this gun was stolen, but it was in 2004, it was two and a half million dollars for all those times that you just have to have a semi-automatic weapon. Yeah. And I mean, this thing looks like it has a sizable clip, even from the picture I'm seeing for the Bushmaster. It. Yeah. It's definitely more than like what would be like in a handgun. Cause let's see, does it even say, yeah, this thing can shoot 45 rounds per minute. Like, who needs that? Someone who is going to kill people. Yeah. Those, I mean, those weapons and are don't very get me wrong. designed to kill people. I have been on the reins. I've sh- I've shot handguns and, like, other rifles and stuff. And I have enjoyed that while shooting clay pigeons. And I don't 
think anything is wrong with that. The problem is that there's no reason that needs to leave the range. Yeah, exactly. Like you could have that on the range or like if you want to have that gun, maybe it's like locked up on that range. You go there, you can shoot that thing. Because you don't have any use for that in your own home or out and about other than at the range. Even if I was like going to have a home invader, like am I going to unload a whole clip into the house? Like I can. I mean, maybe I don't know what I'm trying to do there. Maybe I just I can understand having rifles and pistols and handguns, all of that stuff in your home. That's fine. Take care of it properly. Keep it out of the hands of people that shouldn't have it. Yep. You don't need to have a semi-automatic weapon in your home for any reason. Unless maybe you're living in the middle of nowhere in Africa and there's a lion. Yeah. Because maybe they won't stop for one bullet. Maybe two will do. Um, where was I? Okay, yeah. So in, in this whole time frame, though, um, Lee ended up killing... He killed ten people. He critically wounded three others. And there were 17 other victims outside of that. So that means for a total of 30 victims. Mm-hmm. And I mean, that kind of loss of life is unfortunate. I'm just glad they didn't get up to that 180, which was their goal. Oh, yeah. Sorry. I was talking about phases. Thank you. Thank you for reminding me with your silence. Um, <laughs> You're welcome. So phase one was to kill uh, six people, six white people a day for like 30 days. Then, after that, phase two was to, I don't know why specifically, but was to kill a pregnant woman by shooting her in the abdomen. Don't know why they were going for that. That didn't make any sense to me. I'm not sure what the mythology was with that. That feels like a shock value thing. Well, and again, I'm not investigating, like, the person who shaped this whole thing. I'm Mm -hmm. I'm kind of... Because Lee, in a way, he's, he's definitely a monster for what he did. But he's also a victim, and so mm-hmm. like he was like younger and like being shaped, yeah, for this because he met up with John when groomed. he was fourteen, so he could have been groomed for that. And in some way, I, I mean, everything he did, he is fully at fault for. But there is something there to be mindful of, and so phase two was to kill a woman that was pregnant, but shooting her through the abdomen. Then it was also to kill a Baltimore police officer. The reason for that is if you killed the officer, there'd be some sort of memorial for them or burial. And what they would do there is they'd plant explosives nearby to kill all the officers near that vicinity. Right, like the opening of Johnny English. Haven't seen it. Oh my god. (laughs) Name like that could be like a game show where it's like, have you seen it? And my answer would always be no. (laughs) Um, Christ. But, so there's that scene where, not that scene, god damn, now I'm thinking of like movie terms, but they wanted to kill those police officers there. And then the third phase was to then extort the government for approximately $10 million, because what John wanted to do was to have a compound up in Canada to get 140 black youths which is the exact verbiage that was in the articles I was looking at. So that way he could raise them to do the exact same kind of shootings to go back down to America and continue the whole cycle. That was the end goal was literally to basically create a raise people to keep doing these shootings, but have them be more frequent. God. And the reason why we believe that the money was it was for that, but the goal was to build a utopia for minorities. That's what he was told. This makes me think a lot of Manson. Marilyn Manson? Okay. No. Charles Manson. I don't know why I said Marilyn. <laughs> I'm so sorry. Um, yeah, Charles Manson. Sorry. 
Yes. It's like Marilyn. No. Marilyn Manson. My bad. He's uh, like a fine individual. Good good for you. I'm so sorry. <laughs> um so after they ended up getting caught, he uh Lee fessed up to have done all of the killings. And the reason for that was to help John not get Continue capital suits. punishment. Yeah. Because death penalty is hard to give to a juvenile, considering, I guess, the Eighth Amendment, which is to avoid cruel and unusual punishment. I guess uh, there's some sort of additional line in there where, like, you can't charge, you know, basically Mm non-adults with the capital punishment. I guess there's a couple states that do that. I think there's, like, two that will charge anyone that's younger than 18 Mm -hmm. with the capital, like, with a death penalty, which I think is... I think it's it's hard to be able it's, to tell if someone can be rehabilitated, and especially if what they've done is particularly sure. heinous. It I think that makes it even harder. Right, to... right. Um, but eventually, he fessed up to not having done that, and he was sentenced. So he uh, this happened in October of two thousand two. He wasn't sentenced in, for life in prison until two thousand four. So it took two years for this whole thing to take effect, and. He did end up pleading guilty to several murders, and he agreed not to appeal the conviction of Linda Franklin, who was an FBI analyst. And I don't know if she was part of a random killing. The movie, the, like I saw, like a movie trailer for it, because I was curious, for, like what it was trying to display. Mm-hmm. Because the movie trailer seemed to make it look like this person was being shaped for a long period of time when it was like really a month. Yeah, but. It also portrayed like she was a target that John specifically wanted Lee to kill her. I don't know what that was for, because again, I wanted to avoid those killings specifically, because I wanted well, to see it for another day whether was that was that one me. of the like the earlier ones? Like, I wonder if that was supposed to be like an initiation, like, can you really do what I want you to do, or something like that? Maybe, maybe it was. All I know is that um, I fa- I found a picture of her, so that was Linda Franklin, mm-hmm. and. Um, like I even found like uh apparently on FBI.gov, it has like an article here, where. Like they kind of like honor her, I guess they had four hundred agents assigned to that investigation. That's a lot of agents. Yeah, just a lot of people. Then it gets in the DC area and those random shootings, mm-hmm. but um yeah she was forty seven and oh uh, I guess she was like some sort of intelligence sp- analyst specialist in the cyber division at headquarters. Yeah. In 2002, but yeah, there's like several articles in here though. But all I know is that he he agreed that he would not appeal that ruling, mm-hmm. which I also thought was interesting because he took a he took a deal to help avoid himself getting the capital punishment in case they extradited him to another state since he committed crimes uh-huh. in several states. But part of the reason I picked this one out well, was funny is I was looking for a crime. Where someone tried to use, like, the Matrix as a reason for, like, why they committed mm-hmm. a crime. And I found three things that briefly mentioned it. And this was, he was one of them. But the reason was, he told them to watch the Matrix so they, he could understand, or they could understand why he did what he did. And I was trying to think of the context of that. I guess think think of several things. One, it was like an initiation, right? It's like like prove your worth, and it's like red pill or blue pill. Mm-hmm. Another thing could have been that, um, like again to create a utopia, he had to fight against 
like like the Smiths, you know, yeah. like, like Agent Smith, right? To you know, I guess create a utopia. Um, that or maybe like he viewed John as like a Morpheus, mm-hmm. right? Like a tutor, kind of shaping him, and like he was supposed to be someone that like helped, whatever, change the world. And I guess be that by inserting fear everywhere. Unfortunately, there's not a lot of crimes where people try to incite like the Unfortunately? Matrix. Unfortunately, well, I mean, for my <laughs> like, for me trying to find a kid, I'm not saying oh, people no. should. Oh I know crimes. what you mean. I'm just the yeah. way you phrase it. Uh, I have to give you shit for that because yeah. that's funny. Unfortunately, um, we need more Matrix crimes. Right. Uh, but that's pretty much it for the most part here. One thing I did find interesting was afterwards. So he got he got tried several times, like to try and get like more things on there, and trying to mm-hmm. eventually get the capital punishment on him. And a court uh, or a court judge recently actually said that life with because he got life without parole. He said that that was actually unconstitutional. And they're trying to actually remove that last part, which is the like he can have life, but parole should be an option since he was a juvenile when it happened because he was convicted when he was 17. That there should be potential for it. And I guess he's actually done several things in his life because he's 34 now. Mm-hmm. Like he's about uh, eight years older than me. Um, he's he's reached out to family members, writing them letters of apology. He's given them all the facts about all the shoot. Well, not all the facts, but he's given them lots of facts about the shootings and people that he's killed that you may not have been mentioned or noticed. And so, I don't know if he's tried to turn his life around. He did mention that he is a monster and that what he did was he stole lives. Uh, was it? I was a ghoul. I was a thief. I stole people's lives. I did someone else's bidding just because they said so. There was no, there is no rhyme or reason or sense. And the funny thing is, he told that to Matt Lauer. Ugh. Right. And the reason why I bring that one up is he also mentioned that apparently he was sexually abused by John, mm-hmm. which I was like, huh, that's interesting. They brought up to Matt Lauer, who was fired for harassment. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so I was like, huh, weird. I mean, I guess I can understand. That, and I think for me, it comes down to if they are on parole, what is the possibility that they will reoffend? Right, because it, it's always like, what's the recidivity, right, mm-hmm. of them? And then also, not only that, but currently with where they're at, how much of a danger do they, do they pose to society? Uh-huh. Right. And that's, like, I understand that people can turn their life around and they can you know, turn over a new leaf, head in a new direction that doesn't involve yeah. killing lots of people. Mm-hmm. But I also don't think that they deserve the same kind of rights as people that don't murder people. Right. So not I mean, all of us go out and murder people. Yeah. If they do let him out on parole, then I don't think he should ever be off parole. Right. Where he'd be consistently. He, yeah. I think he needs to be monitored. Just, you know, he, we need to know. That he's not going to, you know. Oh, but he's been there for. Uh, go kill He's been there people, for like. half his life, right? Because he's mm-hmm. convicted at seventeen. He was thirty-four. He's thirty-four years old, I mm-hmm. think. As when I was looking at this, yeah, he says age thirty-four right now. Um, but yeah, all states he affected was Alabama, Arizona, California, Florida, Georgia, Louisiana, Maryland, Texas, Virginia, Washington, and Washington D.C. Mm-hmm. That's quite the reach. That's a lot. Mm-hmm. What what scares me is the fact that you can see this many things, you know, these many states being affected. I'm worried if, well, I wonder if A, someone's actually committed a crime in all 50 states. Probably. I like, I'm, like, sure like, I'm sure there's, there's probably some killer. people that have made it a goal. Right. And that's the other thing, too, is like, 
I wonder who's seen stuff like that and made that like, mm-hmm. like who gave the high score. Yeah. Because in a way, right? Even if you're a monster, like you're, people look into this to try and prevent it in the future. But that mm-hmm. also means like, like I think it's important for us to not forget our history. Do I think people who commit mass murders, like with what happened with um, uh, New Haven mm-hmm. and stuff? I don't think their names should really be publicized. I'm kind of like, I'm in the same, my friend, like I watched Phil DeFranco and stuff. I like that. He'll talk about the horrific events without glorifying or giving mm-hmm. them that view. Unless of course the last thing they want is publicity that I think it's, you know, well, I think the information can be available like for record. It's important and everything, but if you're writing an article, the name of the killer is not necessarily that important. Right. Because you're not writing an article about them, you're writing it about their actions. Prevention. Uh Uh-huh. People affected. How to help. I think that's what's important with Mm -hmm. stuff like this, right? What's scary, though, is... It reminds me of... I wonder if one one of the episodes from, like, CSI Miami... I remember, like, Mm -hmm. watching one where there was an episode where someone showed that they had a license plate that would fold down mm-hmm. and then they could see and shoot through it. Similar to like the Beltway yeah. sniper. Which I guess is the technical name for it, but I just call them the DC sniper. Yeah. But yeah, that's what I was talking about. Oh boy. So. <laughs> yeah. I don't think it was super bad, but I, I thought it was curious because I feel like the if there's ever, like, more than one person, normally it's, like, you talk about the group together or, mm-hmm. like, the big baddie, in a sense. Yeah. But I thought it was interesting, like, like this And I think that happens with cults a lot, too, is where they talk about the leader and not necessarily the followers. Mm-hmm. Which, I mean, usually the leaders are the ones that have done Could you the imagine, bulk though, of if... things, but then you get to, like, Charles Manson, <clears throat> where he didn't actually do anything. He just incited people to do things for him. Yeah. He used his words. Mm-hmm. Um... Which, I mean, yeah. he did other things, but right. he was not the one that killed all the people. I, And I know, I think it's funny that they, or at least that John thought he was going to get money from the government mm-hmm. to, like, try and, like, to stop. To do this again. Well, he, they, I'm, I'm assuming they probably wouldn't have ever told them that. Because all yeah. of this information came from Lee, for the most part. Mm-hmm. Lee's the one that fessed up. And I think... But also the fact that he just thought, oh, they'll give me money and let me go away. Right, like, no. Like, yeah, maybe no. they'll get you money, but it's gonna be fucking traced, and they're gonna yeah. come find you. You dumb fuck. It's like. a trap. So. Yeah. Mm. So, Katie? Yes, Dagger? What the fuck are you talking about? Well, I got a paranormal, so. Oh, thank you. And do those things. I will take these things. So, for this... I'm going to set the scene a little bit. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Let's say it's like about midnight. You're hanging out at home. You're the only one there. We're getting there. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, except you're not the only one here. So you're you're just hanging out. Maybe you're watching some TV. You're playing Down a game street. or something. Okay. No. No, no, no. We're not doing you that. You said some TV, so. Uh, maybe you're playing a game, sitting on the couch. You kind of get a little, like, prickle on your skin, like you're being watched. And there's a knock at the door. You go to the door. No, 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 no. You open it up. I'm over it. I'm over this already. Good night. <laughs> there's a couple of children standing at the door. And they want to come in. Are you going to let them in? I'm going to boot kick them. 
It's not Halloween. No <laughs> trick or treating right now. Get out. They yeah. asked to use my telegraph. You're having a little trouble sad. getting a good look at them. But when you do, you see that their eyes are black. Yeah. That's yeah. right. We're going to talk about black-eyed kids. I don't want to talk about them. Oh, well, we're going to talk about black-eyed kids. Hey. <laughs> it's not black-eyed peas. It's black-eyed it's kids. Black -eyed, yes, black-eyed kids, black-eyed children. Uh, so... Ew. Oh, I hate them so much. <laughs> yeah, I noticed that you haven't put up that, like, cool drawing that I got you. So here's the thing, is I showed... <laughs> I showed Jules that, and we're trying to get a frame for it, because I don't want to put, like, a thumbtack in it. Yeah. So I kept it rolled up, so that way I can, when I do get it put up... And it's in the and closet, in a salt circle. <laughs> That's the thing. It will, I will line the inside of that picture frame with salt. We can use my... Christen it. We can use my smudge spray when you get it three shakes of holy water. Right. <laughs> Just symbolize the trinity. <laughs> I'll put a little cross on the back side of it. And a picture of Zach Bagans. <laughs> Nope, Zach Biggins will summon it. I don't want that. <laughs> but okay. Summon Zozef. Uh. Anyways. So, most sources indicate that the legend of the Black Eyed Kids originate from a 1996 posting written by Texas reporter Brian Bethel on a ghost-related mailing list. Mm -hmm. uh, it alleged two encounters with Black Eyed Kids, and he described the encounters... or He describes encountering two children in Texas in 1996 and claims that the second person or that a second person had a similar unrelated encounter in Portland, Oregon. Uh, his story has become regarded as like the classic example of creepypasta. Oh, okay. Um, which there's a subreddit for creepypasta. It's super good. Take a look at it. It's creepy. Yeah. I mean the right mindset though. I mean, it's true. But actually even then I've never gone. Like, I don't plan on going. Not unless I really want to ruin my day. Not like or I got paranormal role. There's some very good stories on there, but like maybe don't read it before you go to bed or right. like if you're alone in the dark. I, I mean, I don't, choices. I don't like scary things. <laughs> you heard my scream. You see yes. what happens to the yes. earth around me when I get scared. Yep. You like elbowed me in the face. <laughs> um, oops. <laughs> How to make sure you were there. Uh, it gained popularity. Um, to the point where he published an FAQ that is like just to keep up with demand for more information about this. And 2012, he told his story on reality TV series Monsters and Mysteries in America. And he did eventually write a follow-up article. I think it's Abilene, Abilene, Texas. Uh, so he wrote a follow-up article for the Abilene Reporter News uh, describing his experience and maintaining that his beliefs were legitimate. And I did see, I've seen a couple of things somewhere where they, um, like, there's this theory that something that isn't, like, where it is, it's just lore, myth, legend, that kind of a thing. Mm -hmm. um, if enough people believe in it, it will, like, manifest itself into actuality. Oh, okay, so you're thinking, like, supernatural, what does that mean? Because there's an episode where actually, if you believe in it enough, it actually, com it actually becomes mm -hmm. a... Uh, paranormal entity. Yeah, and it's kind of this idea Although where... I believe it's Indian, though. Or, like, sorry, Native American. Because uh -huh. it's over here in the States. Uh, so I okay. feel like I vaguely remember which episode you're talking about, but I don't remember... Mm -hmm. It's okay. I'll see Which one. Um, but it's this just this idea that if enough people believe in this myth, that, you know, I guess, like, the energy of them believing that or whatever will come together to make it a reality. And so there's, like, some people that think that like yes this started off as a creepypasta but now it's real because it's gotten mm. it's gathered that energy and manifested itself into these terrifying little children uh, creepypastas 
are horror-related legends or images that have been copied and pasted around the internet. These, Im these internet entries are often brief, user-generated paranormal stories intended to scare readers. They include gruesome tales of murder, suicide, and otherworldly occurrences. Not experiences, but sure. According to Time Magazine, the genre had its peak in about 2010, uh, and it was covered by the New York Times and blah blah blah. Um, the top three creepypasta that come to mind, like if I just think about it, is Ted the Caver, Jeff the Killer, and obviously Slenderman. Uh, what's that first one? Ted the Caver? Ted the Caver. I don't think I've heard of that There's, one. It's about this guy who, I think him and like a team of people go into this cave and like it... There's just, like, reports of what they find, blah, 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 and so then I think the last report is he goes into this cave with a team of people, and he's like, we're bringing a gun, we're gonna face this thing, and then it was never updated again. Mm. And I think they actually made a movie about it, or they're going to make a movie about the story of Ted the Caver. Do they actually have a Slenderman movie out now, or are they still making that? I remember that being a thing. I actually don't know if it came out. <laughs> and I think Slenderman is the most well-known at this point, because there was that murder. Um, and then Jeff the Killer is, there, like, there was this guy who was, a guy named Jeff, uh, bullied, if I'm remembering correctly, um, somehow he, like, or maybe someone, no, someone was bullying his little brother, and so he attacks the kids that are bullying his brother and discovers that he likes hurting people, so he kills his family. And then just goes on, like, a murder spree. Um, oh, he does something else weird. He cuts his eyelids off so that he can't sleep ever again. And he does some other weird self-mutilation type thing that I can't remember. Tulpa is the name of the being. Ah, yeah. Also known as thought forms. Yes. So it's where, if you think of it enough, it comes uh -huh. into being. And that's kind of the theory behind the Black Eyed Kids, is that it started off as a story and it's not anymore. Apparently, Tibetan monks practice this often. <laughs> Fun fact. That's terrifying. Can I, can I, like, if I think about a million dollars enough, will this work? No, that's called a secret. That's different. Okay, even not a million dollars. Like, if I think about the exact amount of my student loans enough, will that? The double. <laughs> oh, Be <fuck>. careful. No. <laughs> Stay that is, that is, um, not, not Maslow's. What's the rule where, uh, what is it? You'll always fuck it up. Or Murphy's like, Law. Murphy's Law. Maslow. Yes, the hierarchy of needs. needs. That's failure. I need several thousand dollars. It, it's true. That's the base level. I well, it's a pyramid scheme. Oh God! <laughs> I'm sure that joke has been made before. If it hasn't, I think I, I told you about my Freudian slips, right? The ones that my friend got me. Yes. And then they're labeled when you say one thing but mean your mother. Mm. Oh, uh, I was gonna say this earlier and I forgot and I just remembered. Um, I think it was on, and that's why we drink. I don't remember if it was M or if it was Christine. One of them told a story about how their mom was very nearly a victim of the sniper. Yes, I think it was. I think it was M. Was it M? Actually, I'm not sure anymore. It was either M or Christine. We have a 50-50 shot. <laughs> it's true. Their mom was I, at. The... Sorry, we have a 50% chance. Let me oh, God. That. I, I didn't even that. catch that. Yeah. Uh, their mom was at the same gas station as one of the the shootings and just, like, happened Who's to... Who's always speak second? Christine. I think it was Christine then. Okay. So I'm pretty sure... Well, it was either Christine or Christine brought it up 
and then M talked about her mom. See, that's the thing. I can't remember Shit. what the I just thought was. it was a second part of the episode. I don't... Well, yes, but I don't... That's the thing. Damn it. So here's the thing. I don't remember. Anyways, back to what we're actually talking about. Right. <laughs> so, since it originated from this... Sort of an email, but not really an email. Um, it was a... I think it was like a post on like a Google group or something. I don't even know if Google groups were around in 1996. It was some sort of an internet like forum. Kids I don't think Google they were. Hangouts. I, yeah. <laughs> that, that's the only thing that's on Google Plus. It was just black eyed kids. <laughs> God. Um, anyways, it was some sort of an internet forum. And so I was looking for this because I wanted to find this original story. And it was surprisingly hard to find. Because, the original story? Yes. The places where it has oh, been have exciting. been like taken down. And I like, in the annals of the internet in the Wayback Machine, I found it. Okay. So I'm going to read it to you. Mm. Here we go. I don't really know what I'd call this story if I was submitting it for publication in Fate or Something of its Ilk. Brian vs. the Evil, black-eyed, black possibly vampiric or demonic, but at least nobody, but at least not bloody normal kids, doesn't have much of a ring to it. Shrug. But that's... Does it do the shrug emoji? No, it just it says shrug in parentheses. So when this come out? Uh, this was 1996. Alright. Uh, I was five. You were four? You're three? There we go. Can you do math? I did one, I did four, I did three. I'm 143. I... Good for I me. I am 103 years old, as I am told by my knees. And then there's a little smiley face emoji. There was. Mm -hmm. I knew there was an emoji. But at least an accurate... But as so many things do, it all started out innocently. My internet service provider used to have offices in a shopping center before they moved to their comparably, comparatively, comparatively, we'll get there, lush accommodations elsewhere. There was a drop box at the original location. The monthly bill was due, and thus, there be for the grace of the net, I went. It was about 9.30 p.m. when I left. Uh, from my relatively isolate, isolated apartments is about 10 to 15 minutes or so to downtown. Abilene has a population of about uh, 110,000. Right next to Camelot Communications' old location is a $1.50 movie theater. At the time, the place was featuring the masterwork of modern film Mortal Kombat. I drove by the theater on the way to the center proper and pulled into an empty parking space that movie was horrible by the way so I... the og movie where it's like horrible cgi yeah beautiful uh using the glow of the marquee to write out my check i started i startled to hear a knock on the driver's side of my car driver's side window of my car i looked over and saw two children staring at me from the street i need to describe them with one feature you can guess what it is that i didn't realize until about halfway through the conversation clearly uh, cleverly omitted both appeared to be in that semi-mystical stage of life children get into where you can't exactly tell their age. Both were boys, and my initial impression is that they were somewhere between 10 to 14. Boy number one was the spokesman. Boy number two didn't speak during the entire conversation, at least not in words. Boy number one was slightly taller than his companion, wearing a pullover, hooded shirt, with a sort of gray checked pattern and jeans. I couldn't see his shoes. His skin was olive-colored and, had, and had curly, medium-length brown hair. He exuded an air of quiet confidence. Boy number two had pale skin with a trace of freckles. His primary characteristic seemed to be looking about, ner looking around nervously. 
He was dressed in a similar manner to his companion, but his pullover was a light green color. His hair was a sort of pale orange. They didn't appear to be related, at least directly. Oh, great, I thought. They're going to hit me up for money. Oh, God, they're a ginger. <laughs> and then the air changed. I've explained this before, but for the benefit of any new lurkers out there, right before I experience something strange, there's a change in perception that comes about which I describe in the above manner. It's basically enough time to know it's too late. Winky face. So there why, are... the... <laughs> why a winky face? Why there? Because 1996 Internet Forum. Like, but I mean, here's the thing. He's talking about kids. He's like, to know it's too late. I, yeah. Mm, oh. uh, mm. Not really. I'm pretty sure they couldn't that. hear you wink, but that's fine. That's okay. So there I was, filling out a check in my car, which was still running, and in a sudden panic over the appearance of two little boys. I was confused, but an overwhelming sense of fear and unearthliness rushed in nonetheless. The spokesman smiled, and the sight for... And the sight, for some inexplicable reason, chilled my blood. I could feel fight-or-flight responses kicking in. What about freeze? There's a third one. <laughs> <laughs> fight, flight, or freeze. Yeah. It, some people it freeze. Because they just stop breathing, because they're like, I don't want to be seen, because you know, mm-hmm. like they're hiding. Uh, fight, clearly, to punch the lion. I would say... The, like, the freeze, if you're trying to not be seen, I think that would fall under flight because you're trying to stay away. Right. Well, I just remember, like, I was watching um, a documentary on Discovery where, like, it talks about fight, flight, or freeze because there's three different things in your brain that happen mm-hmm. at the moment that a stressor or something scares you. There's fight because it's like something is attacking you, mm-hmm. right? So your response is immediately to just keep it away from you. There's freeze, which is to stop moving because, like, maybe all of a sudden I'm walking, I see a panther, I'm like, uh, mm-hmm. I, didn't, I didn't flee, I didn't run, I just stopped, hoping that it doesn't see any motion mm-hmm. and continues to proceed. And then there's flee, where it's like, fuck, mama bear, I didn't learn correctly how to survive in the wilderness, I'm gonna go run because I'm an idiot. Instead of becoming Well, that's a your ball. problem, you were raised by bears. Shh. <laughs> mama bear. <sighs> Something, I knew instinctually, was not right, but I didn't know what it could possibly be. I rolled down the window very, very slightly and asked, Yes? The spokesman smiled again, broader this time. His teeth were very, very white. Hey, mister, what's up? We have a problem, he said. His voice... Hey, mister, what's up? <laughs> he had a... He had... His voice was that of a young man, but his diction, quite calm and something I still couldn't put my finger on, made me desire to... Made my desire to... Me desire... <laughs> Made my desire to flee even greater. You see, my friend and I want to see the films, but we forgot our money, he con- continued. We need to go to our house to get it. Want to help us out? Okay, journalists are required to talk to lots of people, and that includes children. I've seen and spoken with lots of them. That's how this usually goes. Here's how this usually goes. Uh, m- m- mister, can I see that camera? I-, I won't break it or anything, I promise. My dad has a camera, and he lets me hold it sometimes. I guess. And I took a picture of my dog. It wasn't very good, because I got my finger in the way, and... Add in some feet shuffling and or body swaying, and you've got a typical kid talking to a stranger. In short, they're usually apologetic. People generally teach children that when they talk to adults, they're usually bothering them for one reason or another, and they should at least be polite. This, This kid was in no way fitting the mold. His command of language was incredible, and he showed no signs of fear. He spoke as if my help was a foregone conclusion. When he grinned, it was as if he was trying to say, I know something, and you're not going to like it. But the only way you're going to find out is, find out what it is will be to do what I say. Uh, well, was the best reply I could offer. 
Now here's where it starts to get strange. The quiet companion looked at the spokesman with a mixture of confusion and guilt on his face. He seemed in some ways shocked, not with his friend's brusque manner, but that I didn't just immediately open the door. He eyed me nervously. The spokesman seemed a bit perturbed, too. I still was registering something wrong with both of them. Come on, mister, the spokesman said again, smooth as silk. Car salesmen could learn something from this kid. Now, we just want to go to our house, and we're just two little boys. That really scares me. Something in, his, in the tone and diction again send off, set off alarm bells. My mind was frantically trying to process what it was perceiving about the two figures that was wrong. Eh, um, was all I could manage. I felt myself digging my fingernails into the steering wheel. What movie are you going to see? I asked finally. Mortal Kombat, of course, the spokesman said. The silent one nodded in affirmation, standing a few paces behind. Oh, I said. I stole a quick glance at the marquee and at the clock in my car. Mortal Kombat had been playing for an hour, the last showing of the evening. The silent one looked increasingly nervous. I think he saw my glances and suspected that I might be detecting something was not above board. Come on, mister, let us in. We can't get in your car until you do, you know. The spokesman said, soothingly, just let us in and we'll be gone before you know it. We'll go to our mother's house. We locked eyes. To my horror, I realized that my hand had strayed towards the door lock, which was engaged and was in the process of opening, opening it. I pulled it away, probably a bit too violently, but it did force me to look away from the children. I turned back. Er, um, I offered weakly, and then my mind snapped into sharp focus. For the first time, I noticed their eyes. They were coal black, no pupil, no iris, just two staring orbs reflecting the red and white lights of the marquee. At that point, I know my expression betrayed me. The silent one had a look of horror on his face and a combination that seemed to indicate A, the impossible had just happened, and B, we've been found out. The spokesman, on the other hand, wore a mask of anger. His eyes glittered brightly in the half-light. Come on, mister, he said. We won't hurt you. You have to let us in. We don't have a gun. The last statement scared the living hell out of me, because at that point, by his tone, he was plainly saying, we don't need a gun. He noticed my hand shooting down towards the gear shift. The spokesman's, spokesman's final words contained an anger that was complete and whole, and yet contained in some respects a tone of panic. We can't come in unless you tell us it's okay. Let us in. I ripped the car into reverse, thank goodness no one was coming up behind me, and tore out of the parking lot. I noticed the boys in my peripheral vision, and I stole a quick glance back. They were gone. The sidewalk by the theater was deserted. I drove home in a heightened state of panic. Had anyone attempted to stop me, I would have run on through and faced consequences later. I bolted into my house, scanning all around, including the sky. What did I see? Maybe nothing more than some kids looking for a ride? And some really funky contacts? Yeah, right. A friend suggested they were vampires, with the old let-us-in bit, and my compelled response to open the door. That and the we'll-go-see-our-mother thing. I'm still not sure what they were, but here's an epilogue I find chilling. I talk about Chad a lot. He's still my best friend, my best ghost-hunting companion, and an all-around cool guy. He recently moved to Armadillo, but at, this, at the time this happened was still living in San, San Angelo of Rampage fame. Oh, why did they put that in two words? Rampage, not Ram-page. Ram-page. Mm -hmm. I called him and talked to him briefly. He had two female friends with him at the time, both professing some type of psychic ability. I started telling him the story, leaving out the part about the black eyes for the kicker. One of the women, we were on the speakerphone, stopped me. These children had black eyes, right? She asked. I mean, all black eyes? Er, yes, I said. I was a bit taken aback. Hmm, she said. One night last week, I had a dream about children with black eyes. They were outside my house, wanting to be let in. 
but there was something wrong with them. It took me a while to realize it was the eyes. I hadn't even gotten as far as wanting them to come in. What did you do? I asked. I kept the doors and windows locked, she said. I knew if they came in, they would kill me. She paused. And they would have killed you too if you had let them into your car. So, for this extra long post, we have three unanswered questions. A. What did I see? B. What would have happened if I opened my car door? C. Why does Chad always get the cool psychic chicks? Winky face. And that was the end of the original post. Mm. So that's... I mean, there's a couple things there. This, he's mm. stated that he is a journalist, so he is a writer by trade. So it is not out of the realm of possibility that he wrote a creepy story. Right. Also, when was this story released? 1996. Sorry, the month. If there was a month. No idea. Okay, so it's like, if it's around Halloween... Yeah. Uh, I don't know. But then, later, it's said that he has very... I, I think there was even a quote from him where he was like, I wrote this originally as a creepypasta, but it has happened to me in real life now, and I'm afraid. Oh. Um, so, like, he wrote it into existence. Yeah, kind of like that thing. Like, mm -hmm. believing it into existence, writing it into existence, blah, 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 blah. So I went and I found some other stories, because... If I could eat things into existence, you know, like, I eat a hot dog and I know it appears. Can I... No. Can I, like, uneat things into existence? Like... Yeah. No, that's... God. No. Uh, what, huh? Uneat things into existence? That'd just be throwing up. I guess that's true. <laughs> so, I retract sorry, that Jillian. statement. I don't want anything to do with that. <laughs> so I, I went and I found some some other ones that were... Interesting and creepy and probably not great to read at like almost midnight right before I go to bed. Mm. So you can suffer with me. <laughs> oh, joy. <laughs> it almost felt like a dream. I woke up to my dog, Lucy, barking. She was upright on the bed where my husband and I were sleeping with our 22 month, 22 month old daughter. You could just say almost two years. Staring at our door like an unknown stranger was out there rummaging around. I thought she was just freaking out over a house, a house noise. We'd only had her for three months, and she was still a puppy. It could have been anything. A roommate, a creek from the house settling, the awning moving outside in the breeze. I wasn't too concerned in initially. I described the... I decided the best bet would be to open the door and show her nothing was there. It sounds a bit silly, but it was what we do with our daughter when she gets scared, and I figured it should work for the puppy, too. I opened the door, and she raced to the front door. She stood there, snarling at the door. It was an angry, violent growl, one I had never heard her make before. I looked groggily at her and opened the baby gate blocking the doorway, planning to open the door and show her everything was okay. The second my hand reached for the deadbolt, Lucy went wild. She started barking and jumping towards me. When I touched the metal, she suddenly changed her temper. She whimpered, almost like she was afraid and backing down. As her mannerism changed, so did mine. I wasn't calm anymore. My heart was racing and sinking at the same time. I had been flooded with a mixture of fear and dread. I looked through the peephole. I can't explain why I looked, but I did. Outside were two kids. One was just a smidgen shorter than me and didn't look much younger. I'm 21, and she looked to be 16 or 17. She was slender and pale. Her hair was a light shade of honey blonde, and she wore it long about mid-back mid with... And she wore it long about mid-back with long, thin, blunt bangs in the front that covered most of her eyes. She wore jeans, a light wash that's popular right now, and I, I don't know the context of what time this was written. Right. And a thin-looking, olive-colored, pullover-style hoodie. She held the hand of a small girl who looked to be about, looked to be around three or four, 
in the same style jeans and a button-down ivory cardigan. The smaller one looked at the floor shyly, but had the same shade of hair tied back in a ponytail. She held a stuffed toy under her free arm, and it was identical to the one my daughter has, as was their style of dress. She had not been... Had it not been for the feeling of overwhelming dread and fear, I probably would have asked these children in and given them some tea or hot chocolate to get them out of the bitter cold. Something about them seemed off. At this point, I hadn't made any noise. I hadn't shushed the dog or grumbled. Nothing. I hadn't turned on any lights. These kids had no indicators I was at the door. The older one spoke. She had a voice that was mature, confident, strong, and accentless. She held her, held her head tilted downward, and I couldn't see her eyes. She said, we have to use your phone. I stood frozen in fear. How did she know I was there? She raised her head to face me directly, and that was when I saw her. There was a reason I couldn't see, see them through her bangs before. They were black or midnight blue or dark, dark purple. They were otherworldly. She said, our mother is worried. As someone who has always been interested in creepy stories, I knew what she was the second she looked at me through the door. I have never been one to believe in these things as a staunch atheist and skeptic when it comes to the paranormal. I had written off many a ghost story from friends and family members to tell their, eager to tell their tale. I didn't believe it. Still, I couldn't rationalize my way out of this. I was standing with nothing but with a, I was standing with nothing but a thin wooden door between me and a black-eyed kid. There was no questioning what was right in front of me. I did not answer her. Slowly and silently, I backed away from the door. Lucy still cowering at my ankles. She kept talking. Just let us in to use your phone. I took another step back, and with that step, the tone changed. At first, she seemed polite, but I took the second step back. Oh, when I took that second step back, she became commanding, almost hostile. We're not going to hurt you. If we wanted to do that, we would have broken in. I'll ask again. May we come in and use your phone? Lucy snarled the door, and I inched backwards, though something inside me seemed to be slowly pulling me back towards the door. It wasn't a physical pulling so much as a subconscious need to go back and let them in. I got to my room, covered up the window, locked the door, and sat there in the dim light of the nightlight. I heard her call me back to the door once more, and then quiet. I didn't go back to sleep that night, and I haven't slept right since. I know from reading about them that black-eyed kids can't just come in without permission. I know they haven't hurt anyone, but I still fear I'll be the exception. When I told my husband, he said it was just a dream. He keeps telling me to forget it. But this lingering feeling of sadness, this dread when the house is silent at night, this fear of a knock at the door, this tells me otherwise. Whatever animals have, like, weird reactions like that, that freaks mm-hmm. me out. Yeah. And, like, with, you know, her not knowing that someone was on the other side of the door and then just speaking, like, she obviously could see through it. And, like, that's, that's creepy. Next one. On March 17th, 2008, I had my one and only encounter with a black-eyed kid. Before my experience, I had never heard of anything having to do with the black-eyed kids. I was 12. I was sitting outside of a hairdresser in an old Chevy pickup waiting for my mom to get her hair cut. About 15 minutes had passed and I saw some kid walking back and forth along the sidewalk in front of my parked car. At first, I thought I recognized him as one of my friends from school, so I banged on the front windshield until he looked my way. It was not anybody I knew. At this point, I was not scared at all. Not yet. The boy walked over to the side of my car and just stares. I think to let me get a good look at his eyes. To freak me out. Let me tell you, if you have never seen a black-eyed kid, you have no idea what to imagine. Pupils black as the night sky, the boy whispers, you must let me in. And then I locked the car doors and ducked down into the space below the seats. Five minutes later, he was gone. When my mother got into the car, she told me a boy with black eyes had come into the hairdressers, had ins- uh, had come into the hairdressers, had insisted for my mother to give him the keys to the car. 
She refused. Thank God she did. And that's creepy. Mm-hmm. This really freaked me out. Yesterday, I noticed my neighbor hadn't put out his Halloween decorations, lights, etc. The past two years I've lived next to him, he's gone all out for Halloween. I don't know him well. He's younger, single, but I know he likes kids. Parentheses, not in a creepy way. His brother and sister-in-law and their kids are always visiting him, and he plays with his three young nieces and nephews out in the yard. So anyway, I got home from work and was walking up my driveway, and I saw him outside and said something like, Hey man, you better get your Halloween stuff up, or that house up the street is going to beat you for best decorations. He kind of smiles sheep, sheepishly, sheep, sheepishly and says that he's actually going to keep his house dark this year and just put candy out. I asked if he was going out of town, but he said no. Something happened last year that really scared him. Now I was concerned for my own safety. If some weirdos were coming around our neighborhood, which is, pretty, which is a pretty safe neighborhood with tons of young families living here. So I asked him what happened. He said last year he had his brother's family over so they could trick-or-treat in the neighborhood since they live in an apartment complex that doesn't do much for Halloween. He had a bunch of kids come to the door like always. His family took off around 10.30, and there were only a few older trick-or-treaters, but by 11.30 they were pretty much done. So he was inside watching TV and the doorbell rings. He grabs the candy bowl and heads over, noticing that it's a little past midnight and that he's pretty, then that's pretty rude for trick-or-treaters to still be out, but then notices he hasn't turned off his decorations yet, though his house is still a beacon. He swings the door open and is about to yell boo or something to freak them out, but stops dead when he sees the kids at the door. He said one was probably around 13 or 14 and the other 16 to 17, both boys. They weren't dressed up, but he remembers the older one was wearing a flannel checkered shirt. He was immediately overcome with uneasiness, like opening the door was a huge mistake. They just stared at him, and he noticed that they had really big irises and dilated pupils. He couldn't even see the whites of their eyes, so he figured they were contact lenses. He was frozen there holding the candy bowl, so he couldn't slam the door in their face as much as he wanted to. So he nervously tried to smile at them, hoping they would break character and ask for candy or something. The younger one said they had gotten lost and needed to come in and use his phone. That was when he closed the door more than halfway on them and said, no, sorry, and the older one said something like, can we just wait in your house until our parents come get us? But by then he was convinced that his life was in danger and these kids must be high on something or intending to rob him, and he just kept mumbling, no, sorry, good night, as he inched the door close and locked it. He told me he was so fucking scared at that point that they were going to try and break in through one of his windows or something, but he looked through the peephole and they had turned to leave. He watched TV with the volume really low so he could hear any sounds at all, and he said that he stayed up till like 5am because he was too scared to go to bed and drop his guard. The whole time he's telling me this, I'm thinking, oh my god, this sounds so familiar, just like the Black Eyed Kids urban legend. And then I thought, hey, maybe this dude is trying to scare me after all, he does have the Halloween spirit. So I am looking at him incredulously, but trying not to seem too gullible. So I'm like, man, that is really crazy. Sounds like the Black Eyed Kids. He just looks at me blankly. The... What? Is that a movie or something? And I said no, but told him to go look it up online. Like an hour later, I get a knock at my door, and admittedly, almost jump out of my skin, thinking it's a demon child. It was my neighbor, and his eyes were fucking huge. He swears to me up and down that he had never heard of BEKs before, and it's so similar to what happened to him. So we talked a while longer, and I told him that quite a few people probably know about the urgent... Ur urban? Urban legend. The urgent legend. The urgent legend. <laughs> And it's possible it was just teenagers with black scleral sclera yeah scleral yeah, scleral contacts scleral. trying to freak people out on Halloween, which would be genius, by the way. For those of you that don't know what scleral is, the sclera is the whites of your eyes. Mm -hmm. 
but he said the fear he felt was so primal and came over him the second he opened the door for them. I've, whenever I read anything about Black Eyed Kids, the, like, one of the first things that always jumps to my mind is, uh, like, tieflings. <laughs> because they also have black eyes. And I play a tiefling. Just little tieflings. That's all they are. They're just, just little hoodlums. Little tieflings. Hey, not all tieflings are evil, okay? We just have infernal traits. It's fine. We have an infernal bloodline. It's none of your business. Oops. Leave me alone. Last night was like any other night. I was switching between listening to music and watching YouTube videos with one headphone in so I can hear my infant daughter if she cries. That way my wife can get a full night's sleep. She works at 5 a.m. at the hospital every day. When I decided to go lay down in the spare bed in the, spare bed in the baby's room, just as I dozed off, I heard a thumping coming from the front porch. Startled at first, I opened my eyes wide and scanned the room. Realizing it was most likely my cat scratching himself on the front porch, I dozed back off. Then again, the thumping. Damn cat. I got out of bed to run him off the porch, only to see he wasn't there anymore. Now that I was up again, I wasn't the least bit tired. I figured I'll just get some tea and check Facebook while I'm up. Uh, maybe finish the web series I was watching on YouTube. A few minutes into the video, I felt the sudden urge to look up at the kitchen window. There they were. The tops of two short-statured peoples... <laughs> it does say peoples. The tops of two short-statured people's heads cresting the stairs just above my window frame. The people were just short enough to not see in the window, but I could see out. I heard no footsteps on my porch as my stomach turned. But the knock. The knock was a steady, hollow thump. The very same thump I had just blamed on my cat. Deciding it was best not to answer, I shut my laptop and crept by the door back to the baby's room. I assumed it was some of the people from the low-income housing across the road from me that were high or hiding from the cops or maybe looking for my cousin, who stays with me often and has many friends over there. The last thing I needed was to try to explain to two stoners that I was trying to sleep even though it was 2am. It wasn't until I got to my daughter's room that the creepiness set in. The thump had moved from the kitchen to the bedroom windows. Both windows. A room apart, thumping in perfect time. These stoners were going to wake up my daughter and if I didn't run them off now, or if I didn't run them off now, Pissed off, I went out to the kitchen, unlocked and opened the door, ready to run around to the side of the house and kick some little idiot's, little idiot's ass. It happened then. Standing there, looking up at me, were two 10 or 11-year-old boys. The feeling of dread and the smell of mold almost made me vomit. The smaller of the two, two then smoke. May we use your telegraph? Huh? I just stared blankly at these boys, horrified of what I then realized. Their eyes were pitch black. He asked... To use, he again asked to use my telegraph. There wasn't a sound to be heard, no crickets chirping, no dogs barking, no cars driving by, nothing. I tried to play it cool and ignore the fact that he didn't say telephone or phone or cell, anything that would have made sense in the situation, and calmly replied, I don't have services in my house, sorry. The expression of, of their faces turned to rage as I finished my sentence. Swiftly, I shut the door and locked it as quickly as I could, then stumbled back to protect my daughter. I picked her up from the crib and held her close. The fact that she didn't wake up freaked me out the most, but I managed to gather my senses, senses enough to make sure she was still breathing and warm. Something seemed, everything seemed okay with her. Thumping on the windows was back. I dropped to the floor as close to the wall as I could and held my little girl in my arms and wept like a child. I felt helpless and afraid. I lied there for what felt like hours and hours, crying and shaking until I heard it. My wife's alarm clock. The thumping stopped the instant the alarm went off, and I crept into the master bedroom with the baby. What's wrong with you? My wife asked. I just had a bad dream. It's all I, is all I could mutter. Okay, well, give me the baby so I can feed her before I work. I handed my wife the baby, and she fed her like any normal day. I turned on every house, every light in the house and made coffee for her. 
For some reason, just having her awake calmed my nerves enough to pretend like nothing happened. I walked her out to the car nervously with the baby in my arms. I asked her not to leave until I walked back in the house. She was put off by the request, but did so to humor me. Once I was safely in the house, I locked the door again. And in the house, I sat horrified until she got home. I insisted we go to the next town over and stay the weekend at my brother's house. And here I sit horrified while she sleeps in the guest room with my daughter, wondering why they stopped when the alarm went off. I think I know the answer. I was aware of black-eyed kids. She wasn't. Every story I've read about them is from someone who already knew about them. Maybe, just maybe, knowledge of them existing is the only reason they visit. I'm afraid, and I'm sorry. So guess what? Now you all know about them. Yay! Yay! <laughs> now you don't have to be alone. Uh, this is the last story I've got for you. The incident took place about 13 years ago. I had just moved to a new city with my wife. We were small-town newlyweds from the newlyweds from the Midwest. We moved cross-country to one of the biggest cities in the Southwest so I could attend graduate school. Being naive and new to city living, I habitually answered the door without a second thought. Never again after this. The first thing that should have tipped me off to the peculiarity of this situation was the fact that someone was knocking at six in the morning. The second thing that should have dawned on me is this kid had to reach over a rather large, rather tall patio gate to unlatch it unlatch and open it. The knock at the door was startling. My wife and I were getting ready for work, a pretty normal routine. The moment I opened the door, I was overtaken with an inexplicable sense of fear. To this day, I can picture him. Teenager, average height, average build, knee-length black leather coat, short black hair, and sunglasses. The sunglasses at 6 a.m. struck me as odd, even more odd. He was eating an apple. He was very polite and asked if he could come in and warm up. I said no, closed the door, and slid the security chain into place. A moment later, another knock. I opened the now chained door, and before I could speak, he again, he asked again if he could come in and warm up. No, I replied, and attempted to close the door. Before the door could shut, he put his hand out, stopping the door in its hinges. He looked directly into my eyes, still wearing his sunglasses, and said, Can I at least get some ketchup for my apple? Fuck that, I reply, albeit a little confused. Get the hell out of here, my wife is calling the police. He takes a minute to let this information sink in, lowers his glasses, revealing eyes as black as obsidian, and says, No, you won't be calling anybody. At that moment, I force the door closed, lock it, and call out to my wife. She is scared shitless hiding in the bathroom, all jacked up on adrenaline. I rip the curtains back to look out the window next to the door. He's gone. Absolutely no trace of him. I go out on the patio and check the gate. It's still latched from the inside. That was fucked up, I think to myself, and I, as, as I turn to enter the house, I notice a half-eaten apple lying on the ground. So it's almost like, you know that, like, picture of Elon Musk where he's ziplining? <laughs> and yeah. it's, like, captioned where it's like, humans do this for fun. Yeah. Like, it's almost like, yes, this is how humans behave, and this is what humans ask for, and this is, yes, I would like ketchup for my apple. Like, ketchup for my apple? Yeah, like, That's that doesn't... That's the weirdest thing I've ever heard. Because red goes on red. Yeah, it's like, tr- trying to be human when you don't actually know human. Mm-hmm. Like, if you tried to be a panda, but just from what you'd seen in, like, a documentary. Yeah, or Kung Fu Panda. I, yes. And they're always asking for some kind of, like, communication type thing. Like, can I use your phone? Mm. Or just, like, things to let me in. I don't know. I like, I, the, the theory that they're kind of vampire is interesting because they have the whole let me in and. Yeah. Not by the hair on your chin, chin, chin. <laughs> Gross. I don't know. Yeah, I'm not a fan of them. Yeah, nope. Thanks for that. You're welcome. It's fine. I didn't need to sleep tonight. It's cool. 
Ugh. So that's the Black Eyed Kids. Ta-da! Ta-da! Just don't own a telegraph and you'll be okay. Well, some of them are asking for phone. Yeah. Oh, so yeah, may we use your telegraph? Your telegraph. Excuse <laughs> me? Now phoning the mothership. <laughs> Bring her down. Ugh. They only speak in Morse code, yet they have spaceships. They only speak in Morse code. Is that, like, normal now? I guess. Is that how aliens communicate? Norse code. Oh, for fuck's sake. What? This is not related to anything. Mm-hmm. Uh, what is the name of the main character in uh, God of War? Kratos? Kratos, okay. Yeah. I always get him confused with Kronos, who is, like, uh, actually a... A titan? Uh, no... He was a titan. He was the father of Zeus, Hades, and Poseidon. Yes, I was say the right. wasn't he the OG? The one that ate all of their children. Mm-hmm. Because that's apparently a thing that you do. Delicious. And they were like, I don't want to be in here anymore, so I'm just gonna cut my way out. It's cool. Yeah. <laughs> Goodbye. As I said, that had nothing to do with anything. Oh, okay, cool. I think it's because earlier you said Thanos, and I was like, Ah, what was that guy uh, saying? Oh yes, Thanos. Thanos. Kratos, Kronos, Eats babies. There's just a whole lot of Anos. Or, oh no, oh no, oh. Uh, <laughs> Whoa, I don't know what just happened there, I I but just you just like, you like fell downstairs with your words. <laughs> yeah. God. So, Anna, oh, <laughs> you can cut that out. <laughs> but will I? No. Uh, okay, you want to roll for it? Yep, let's, let me do this. So, today I have. What are these? I think these They're... are crystal crack. Fucking crystal balls. crack. No, we're rolling. <laughs> rolling with the That's big. A different kind of rolling. Uh, these are crystal cast dice. I believe these are the fire, blue fire opal. I think or sapphire fire opal. Ugh. They're blue and they have like red sparklies to them. They're real pretty. Mm. Unfortunately, they are discontinued. You want well, to re-roll that. Yep. <laughs> oh, that was very lively. It's a four. That's a four. History, History and education. Yeah. Cool. Um, I have dice <laughs> in my hand, and I will roll it because Ducker can't read. He only does pictures. <laughs> it's like Pictionary. Ah, oh, entertainment. entertainment. Cool. We've got entertainment and history and education. Oh. Oh boy. Oh boy. I don't know what the fuck I'm going to talk about. Let's see. Oh! Man, there's a couple things happening. So you don't have to come up with it at this exact moment. No! That's how I do everything. But I am going to put this into the calendar. Whoop whoop. Thanks for tuning in. Come back next week to find out what the fuck we're talking about. Bye! Bye! Christ. If you've got something to say, find us on Anchor at anchor.fm slash WTFpod. Email us at wtf.podcast.mail at gmail.com. Find us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at WTFAYTA Podcast. That's WTFAYTA, our acronym, Podcast. Our music was by Decker Hinckley, and our artwork was by Kirby Morfitt. But the actress in that movie, I don't necessarily think it was her fault. I think that what they were going for was they set they basically set her up to be like a deus ex machina kind of thing and for anyone else that's listening to this if it, this is like in the post credit kind of thing uh, on our show 
Um, As opposed to someone else's show? Oh, shit! Oh, yeah, I know, right? Can you imagine that? Like, like other podcasts the are just like, they just supersede, like, like, other people's podcasts. Like, little <laughs> bits. That'd be kind of funny. You know what I mean? Like, a little sample of, like, another show. Yeah. I, I mean, isn't that a promo? It'd be, like, a promo <laughs> thing, but it'd be, like, a weird Easter egg. Like, we're, like, we're like wait, what's this podcast? And, like, you don't ever say it, though. It's just a totally, like, like random Hello, those people. <laughs> Is there still a cat in here? I think so. 